The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. And after the game, as we are doing on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, where we are live right now, if you're watching us live, that is, for a studio audience of many across the internet. Also, replays on YouTube at YouTube. Search for Pride of Detroit. I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host at Christopher Fett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Not looking great right now. Uh, Very tired. And we're going to do our best here, folks. We're going to get through it. It's been a rough weekend for, I would say, about 75% of Michigan sports fans out there. It depends where you lean on Saturday. But uh, it's a double whammy if you lean the wrong way there. So let's, uh, speaking of which, my compatriot, my partner, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. How's it going? I'm doing okay, you know. It was, it was a it was a rough football weekend, but it was a holiday, and you know, not a lot necessarily happened in in this game. I, I won't say Saturday's game in this game that surprised me. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to keep my head up. Long, long the season's not ha- not even halfway over. So let's, let's look at it that way. No. Well, it's not. We still got plenty of football to go. That might might be constituted as a threat. Uh, to end this segment, I think I should maybe talk about. What kind of Halloween movie? What what's real quick? What's the one Halloween movie you like to watch this time of year? Nightmare Before Juice. Christmas. There you go. Nightmare Before Nightmare Before Christmas and from our third member, Ryan Matthews. It's Beetlejuice. If we say it one more time, could we be lucky enough to like just have a podcast with Michael Keaton rather than talk about this game? <laughs> can he play can he play tailback? Can he play wideout? Mm. Offensive line, cornerback. Uh oh, this list is getting too linebacker. long. <laughs> linebacker, anything really? Help, help! Head it's coach. all going. Can he be the head Ooh. coach? Offensive well, coordinator. He, he is Batman, so you should have Baker? an analytical mind. I was going to say for all me, right. I always watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about this game. I, I'm trying to avoid it. 
Lions got drubbed by the Colts, in case you're wondering, in case you just fell into a coma somewhere or your power went out, like was the case of Mansur Shaheen, our compatriot at Pride of Detroit. 41-21, and the Lions got just manhandled by an aging Philip Rivers. Uh, it was close, and then it wasn't. Collapses, as Hemingway would say, very slow, and then all at once. And I feel like that was the case for this game where the Lions slowly let the game get away. You know, they had a seven point lead, then the Colts tied it up. Then it was 20 to seven at the half. Then the Lions start to edge their way back in. They get another touchdown. They're kind of rumbling a little bit. And then the strip sack. And then the, the Colts score. And then Stafford gets taped his ball taken back the other way and then it's just it's downhill from there and that's what happens and the lions are now sitting at three and four they have yet to win a home game in the covid season and they have still yet to win three in a row since the year 2017 and it's thrown people back into the doldrums and i feel jeremy's got some takes that should calm you down a little bit and i've got some takes that might gin you up but I think this is the part where we do our takeaways, our reactions, our gut punches from this game. Jeremy, I will let you go first. Well, yeah, let, let's let's calm everyone down then. Let me be the guy from Animal House that's saying, stop panicking. Not any, not everything is, is bad. As, as we disagree. always say in the business, wins are never, never as good as they look. Losses are never as bad as they look. The final score looks ugly. There were some ugly performances in this game. There were some bad performances in this game. There were some things that that could sink this team in the future. But let me just say this. This game was a lot, 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 lot closer than the final score suggested. Really, I feel like this game was lost in two quick parts. As you said, Chris, the game was lost slowly, then very swiftly. Lions got out to that big 7-0 lead. Colts respond with a touchdown of their own. Lions get the the unfortunate sack thing that 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 turned into a personal foul on on Danny Shelton, and then it quickly like very very quickly spiraled right there. It was Colts touchdown quick thereafter. Lions go three and out, get a penalty on the punt. Colts score a touchdown almost right away. Lions miss a field goal, and that's the end of your half. Boom, Lions down two possessions, but then they settle things down. That third quarter was actually pretty good. The Lions come out right away, score a touchdown with, with no Kenny Gallagher. I mean, that, that was the chance where things could just, like the Green Bay game. That game could have proceeded a lot like the Green Bay game where it was like disaster right before the, the first half ended, disaster well into the second half. That's not what happened here. The Lions climbed their way back into that game. They get a touchdown. They get a three and out stop. They get the ball back with two, two times in that third quarter with the opportunity to take the lead. But then that's when the second snowballing happened. That's when the fumble happened with Matthew Stafford. And then there's a pass interference penalty that happens on the lines. Colts quickly score after that. And then first, first or second play of, of the fourth quarter, we get the pick six and then the game is over. But deep into that third quarter and the start of that fourth quarter, that was still a game very, very much within the Lions' grasp. And it was just, it was a matter of, of things spiraling out quickly. And, and that tends to make things look a little bit bad, a little bit worse than they were. 
there were good things that came out of this game. Unfortunately, they weren't consistent for the entire game. Unfortunately, Matthew Stafford made a whole bunch of mistakes, which we'll talk about plenty. But I just I didn't think this game wasn't the Lions got dominated by the Colts. That, that's not how this game went. It really wasn't. Um, they just they just had two really bad collapses really quickly. And it's it's hard to really recover from something like that. Yeah. I don't know what else to say there. I'm just collapses. I, I just I don't know the, the way some of these came about. I could argue that it almost it, that's going to it's going to depend on your do, on your definition of domination, I guess. I think a sequence of fumble touchdown interception touchdown kind of puts a bow on it. But I mean, it's I think I think the Lions got dominated, at least on defense is how I would put it. But it's nothing we haven't already seen before from, say, the Falcons game. We saw the same problems in the Falcons game with this defense with, you know, uh, guys getting open in the middle of zone coverage over the middle or, you know, another aging quarterback who is past their prime suddenly looking like a spry young chicken hitting guys and, you know, having plenty of time to rip off some completions. So I don't. Yeah, it. I mean, I, I said this in the pregame show. I don't think this game was all that different from the Falcons game. No, it, very similar, I find, except that I think Philip Rivers had a better day than than Matt Ryan. Maybe, but I, I, I just you look the Matt Ryan was fine, completed pretty much at will. So so did Philip Rivers. So is every quarterback against this Lions defense because the secondary is garbage right now. The, the Lions couldn't run the ball really in either game. The offense was stalling in both games. The only reason we, we think of, you know, a, a comeback game for the Stafford really, really was because of that final drive in, in Atlanta. But really, the, the offense has struggled all season, too. So I don't know. Like, this game didn't show me anything new about the Lions, except for maybe some offensive line issues, which, again, we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. But this is, this is just kind of what this team has been the entire time. And if, you know, they, they get on the wrong side of some turnovers or some penalties then it can spiral because they're just, they're just an average team. And so when an average team gets on the wrong side of big plays, whether they're penalties, whether they're interceptions, fumbles, whatever, that's when the score looks a lot worse than it probably is. Ryan, what's your takeaway? I got a couple. One of them is real quick and sweet and right to the point, but please abolish the spot foul penalty. Goodness yes. gracious. Thank you. I mean, that was... A, that was a really tough call to put on Justin Coleman, I thought, in the first place. Like, I mean, probably pass interference, but like there was other things that were that, you know, defensive backs were getting away with in the game, too. And I'm not saying that the Lions didn't benefit from that, too, because I, I thought they did um, at a couple of different points in the game. But spot foul penalties are just the absolute worst. We need to abolish them, overthrow them. It's it's an awful it's an awful <coughs> tyrannical thing. Um, but anyways, uh, my big takeaway from this game is while I while I see what you're saying, Jeremy, the the thing that was most troubling about this game was just how dominated the Lions were in the first half in terms of time of possession, in terms of the offense's inability to get off the ground. The only reason I think that they scored points is because they had that fortuitous block, block punt by Miles Killebrew that set him up in, in plus field territory, and all of a sudden the Lions can play in that situation. They the the Lions offense seems like it's an offense that's built for situations. Like I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that these intense pressure field situations all of a sudden like bring the best out of the Lions, but it certainly brings their most inspired play. Like 
at the end of the half. The Lions were all of a sudden just able to move the football after they couldn't do it at all in, you know, the other, uh, you know, 40 minutes. Like it, it was just, it was insane. Like the way that they, they all of a sudden picked up the ball and they were able to drive down Prater misses a field goal. But at that point, it's still within two scores. So I'm with Jeremy in the sense that like on the scoreboard, the game was within reach. The game like was well within reach until the back-to-back turnovers that resulted in, you know, big points for the Colts. But it's just I'm 80 net yards in the first half for the Lions offense. I mean, eight, eight minutes of possession. Let me just throw that in there for you as well. Only eight minutes of time of possession. And if you, to break it down even further, the Colts had 42 plays on offense. The Lions only had 22. Yeah. And they went for 80 yards. You're getting 3.6 yards per play. Goodness gracious. That's awful. And you know when they got a majority of those yards? Was right at the end of the second half when they yeah. moved into a field goal position. Like, other than that, it was three and out, three and out. Like, I've said it before and we keep coming back to it, but the play calling is just uninspired and it's lackluster and it sets up this offense to be in third and long way too often. And Matthew Stafford can only pull you out of those situations so often. That's my takeaway from today. Yeah. I wrote in my three takeaways from this game too, about when it comes to it, it seems like the play calling and I kind of came to this realization as I watched them still, meander around in the, in the first half, they apparently have a script and they're going to stick to that script come hell or high water in that first half. Because I think their idea is that they'll have the script and then they'll try to make some adjustments in the second half, but they don't realize sometimes the hole they're putting themselves into by that script. Like you, there's, you know, there's no other, there's no other explanation for why they keep running some of these plays, why they keep running like, you know, two, two run plays, two rushing plays for Adrian Peterson and then a screen pass on third and long five rushes in the first half. Yeah. Five yards. Yeah. For me, my takeaway and we've danced around. I I think, I think you you were starting to hit on him in that you need in these kind of situations, you need Stafford to pull you out of the tailspin. That's not happening today. And honestly, we've talked about some of his struggles in past weeks. I think we were a little too eager to announce that he was right as rain after the Falcons game. He did have a great late game drive against the Falcons. Don't get me wrong. He saved the game with some late game heroics there. But what I saw out of Stafford in terms of quarterback play was incredibly worrying because in three parts, first chained, hobbled and conservative to that offensive script in the first third of the game in the second third of the game is when he started making all of his big mistakes he started taking more sacks you know he he had the strip sack and most egregiously he had the pick six which is just a throw i i i'm still countenancing and then i mean in that first half i mean in the first half too he's overthrowing his targets pretty hard like tj hawkinson had to go up like 3 4 times to pull the ball down uh jeremy i think we were talking on the post game show there was some other receiver that was like really trying to lay out for the yeah marvin hall i think had one marvin hall yeah thrown over his head and then most egregious then is that third ha- is the th- is the third part of this equation is that now you're down the hole i get it it's three scores but Stafford starts 
I don't want to say the word panicking, but he starts to rush himself and he starts making some stuff, some mistakes and some just form problems that I haven't seen out of him in a very long time. Uh, he had a man wide open in an end zone, 35 yards down, and he decides to sidearm it low with no one, no one blocking him. It's not like one of the sidearms that I've in the past where he's had to sidearm around like a, a defensive line. He had him wide. He had kind of a clear lane to him. He still sidearms it. And because of the low, low trajectory, it just hits the ground like seven yards short of the end zone. I mean, seven yards short near the base of the end zone. Uh, you know, it's just he's he's kind of rushing some of the routes and just in general, like I I'm, I'm seeing Stafford making mistakes that are unbecoming of him and an unbecoming of a veteran quarterback of of what he is right now. And as we've been saying here, all these other problems, it's going to at the end of the day, the Lions offense is going to live and die on whether or not Stafford's on his game and going to pull you out of those errors. And if Stafford's making those errors, he, he got you into he, he helped you get into some of this hole today. He helped the Lions dig their hole. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to contend real quick, though, that the the Lions play calling put Stafford in a hole and put Stafford behind the eight ball. And then Stafford tries to dig himself out of a already bigger hole. Like, I agree with you in in, I agree with you in the in the idea, Chris, that Stafford didn't play his best game today and was making throws that were ill advised and things that we don't normally see out of Matthew Stafford. But he was just so far behind the eight ball already. He had to make magic happen. And this was I'm going to say it, Jeremy. I think this is the best defense they've played against all year. That Colts defensive sure. line and Darius Leonard. I mean, that 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 front seven was just getting pressure after pressure after pressure. And Stafford had to dance and Stafford had to step up in the pocket. and Stafford had to do things that, like Chris said, he had to make like uncomfortable rush throws. So, I mean, do you think that today just happened to be a day in which the Lions ran into a, a buzzsaw of a defense? A little bit. I'm, I'm kind of in between you two with Stafford's performance. I think part of the reason they got off to this slow start, and we have to talk about the slow start because the Lions defense got off to a great start. They got three punts in the, first, in the Colts' first three possessions, and, and the Lions got that gifted block punt. They're up 7 nothing. but when you get three straight punts like that and you got all the offensive weapons you've got, that needs to be at least a, a 14 nothing lead after three punts, and it wasn't. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with, with nothing – with not the Colts defense. I, I thought Stafford airmailed way too many balls early in this game. There's a couple third downs that should have been easy conversions that, that Stafford just straight up missed on. And there was a Kenny Galladay drop. And so there were a lot of issues in there. But I'm also with you, Ryan. Like once once we got to the third quarter, the fourth quarter, um, you know, Stafford was was forced to kind of push the ball, forced to make some throws that he probably shouldn't have made and forced to make some decisions that probably wouldn't have liked to be made. And the as the Colts gained confidence in their front seven and said like, oh, we don't even need to try to stop this running game, they started pinning their ears back. And I thought Stafford did as good of a job as, as you could expect managing the pocket, but not throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought throwing the football, was, was he was just not very good in this game in general. And and then you make the the mistake of not even seeing the nickel corner and, and throwing the ball right to him. Game's over then. I mean, you, you still had a chance at that point. It's, it's a two-possession game with... 13, 14 minutes left. Plenty of time for the Lions to come back in that game. And you make the biggest mistake of the game that, that essentially ends it. So, I mean, inaccuracies early in the game, two turnovers in the second half. Ultimately, that's not a very good performance from your, your elite quarterback. Um, but at the same time, certainly wasn't helped by the game plan. Certainly wasn't helped by an offensive line that, that was poor. 
very, very poor in this game. Um, but you're looking for the, he had to play a perfect game today. It's unfortunate. We're, we're back to that. We're back to the defense being as bad as it is that he has to play a near perfect game. You know, if, if the defense has given up 35 points and, and yeah, I say 35, cause I, I, I guess I would just, default. yeah, I guess I would say he didn't even play an average game today though. Like he put up, he put up some decent stats, but I, I just, again, those big time mistakes just weigh very heavily on me. So I don't know. I'm not saying this is who he is. I'm not saying he's washed. I'm just saying this performance was bad and it's kind of racking up with several other mediocre to semi bad performances we've seen out of him right now. We need more of the Atlanta game out of him and a lot less of this game. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. Uh, We're going to play some patty cake with the Twitch chat. I already see that uh, Jeremy has entered in the ability to request a cameo with my cat Ruby. So I am going to go grab that fat ass to show him off. You can see all this live on twitch.tv slash pride to Detroit, where we have a lot of fun after the show. I mean, after the game and uh, kind of soothe our aches and wounds. But we'll be right back. Next up, we're going to play penthouse doghouse, give you the winners and losers of this game. Uh, I also want to talk some injury news we've kind of had come out of this game that is going to weigh he- heavily on the Lions going into the game against Minnesota, which is going to be a divisional game and another chance for the Lions to get back to 500 and maybe try to once again take another shot at the Bears, who, if I'm not mistaken, lost today. Stick around with us. We'll be right back. Penthouse, doghouse, injury news, all sorts of other stuff here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Again, catch us live on Twitch when we do this. Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Even still with everything going on, having great, just everyone loves hanging out and doing this thing live do it live and you guys are i mean you're still downloading the podcast which is fantastic i've been looking at the listener numbers and we're uh very nice as one of jeremy's favorite people in the world would say that may have been the worst impression i've ever heard but i wasn't really trying i wasn't really trying i'm on two hours of sleep over 48 hours let me try this again very nice all right 
I'll give okay. I'll give you a six. Wow. Out of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good enough to be a bud? Nine out of eight out of ten because it kicks ass. <laughs> hey, let's do let's do Halloween candy. Let's talk about Halloween candy. We haven't done that in forever. No, I'm kidding. That's stereotypical. We've done list casts and that stuff before. Uh, let's do penthouse doghouse instead. And this is the part where we look at the, th- we'll look at everyone on the lions roster. We pick one guy in any capacity to go into the penthouse and, and live the sweet life of, uh, whatever the kid was on Disney. Sweet Cody life of, or something. Cody. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you, know. You, you youngins probably know the sweet life yeah, of Ryan. Sean Cody. There you go. Is that what it was? No, Sean Cody was a former defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions from USC. Wow. Uh, Sweet life of Zach and Cody. Zach and Cody. That was in the podcast. Yep. Talking about and whoever. Yeah. And whoever else you're going into the doghouse. You're going into the place we were where we we love Zazu and and uh, and Goose too much. We're not putting them in in this doghouse. We will put you in that doghouse, though. So beware. All right, let's start. Ryan, you want to start? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about somebody who belongs in the penthouse because let's keep things a little positive, shall we? John Penasini, welcome to the penthouse, brother. I mean, he was popping a lot. And um, I would say that for the first few, I would say for at least the first half, like the Lions played some pretty good run defense. In the first quarter, I thought one of the most um, one of the most startling statistics, and, and just from watching the Lions play, a lot of plays got stopped up near the line of scrimmage. And I think in the first quarter, the Colts had five net negative plays, which, I mean, it looked like the defensive line was ready to go from the jump. Deshaun Hand had a big play. Danny Shelton made plays. He also made some boneheaded ones too. But um, John Penasini was in the middle of all of it, and he was really controlling that middle of the middle of the line up front. So I think that John Penasini, you six round rookie, welcome to the penthouse, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I that that was actually going to be mine um, because yeah, there was that one, and and let's not let's put it in context too. He was going against Ryan Kelly, an yeah, all pro center. Qu- yeah, Quentin Nelson, those kind Quentin of guys. Nelson. Yeah, and first half, eighteen rushes for fifty yards. Less than two, less than three yards of carry for the Colts, and it it didn't really get better until really that last couple drives of the game when you know they'd been out on the field for forty minutes because the offense wasn't giving them any breaks. So I thought the defensive line in general, you can, you can extend that to Danny Shelton as well, and yeah, the the penalty happened, whatever. Deshaun Hand, even even Nick Williams, I think they they were all holding their own against a really really good Colts offensive line. So yeah. Put them, put them all in the penthouse. Put everyone on the defensive interior in the penthouse because the run defense looks like it's real. This was their first really, really big test to see out of that bye if they were for real. And I think they lived up to it. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding my head as I'm trying to think here because like I, I, I remember talking last week, I didn't think that the Chargers run offense was really that good. But I mean, to, to that point, they held back Jonathan Taylor. And that was the guy I didn't really think too much of. But then Wilkins kind of had like 89 yards. Still, yeah, you li- you limited the damage. So I'll give you that. Uh, I might as well do my penthouse doghouse then. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, actually, wait, Ryan, we need to get your doghouse too. Oh, you need both for me right now? Okay. Yeah, well, I might um, as well do, do, do twofer. Sure, absolutely. Um, 
I am going to say this in um, the most kindest terms. <laughs> Why is Jelani Tavai still playing football for the Detroit Lions? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. I mean, it's just an honest question when the guy can't even do the things that he needs to be able to do to stay on the field. As, as a run defender with his run fits and making tackles, filling holes. Tackling, man. Tackling, tackling, tackling. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not only even the missed tackles, it's the inability to, to have like oily hips and to be able to like move with, you know, opposing skill players. Like he just doesn't have it like at all whatsoever. It's bad. Like it, it's even it's even it's harder to watch Jelani Tavai play football than it is to watch Jared Davis watch play football because at least Jared Davis like can do something exciting because he'll just like athletic his way into something cool. But like Jelani Tavai unathletics himself out of every play. He's terrible. It's really really bad. <laughs> Jared it's really, Davis really bad. Jared Davis is the guy holding a Roman candle. It can go in any sort of direction. It might be crazy. Jelani Tavai is snakes. <laughs> you light it, it goes. Husker do's, Husker don'ts. I don't know what that means. Joe Dirt. Oh, Great geez. movie. Um, I'm sure it holds up really well in 2020. But yeah, I Probably. mean, I, 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 I'm not trying to like be too hard on the guy. Am I like, are we being too hard on Jelani Tavai? The guy was a second round draft pick and it looks like he's unplayable. I mean, it speaks to, to Bob Quinn and his ability to draft a, a linebacker that fits in the system. And not even just fits in the system. Like, these are guys that they were sure was going to fit in the system, and it yeah. doesn't look like they would fit in any system right now. All right. For my penthouse doghouse, uh, I almost want to split both up because I don't think any one player remaining on the board here had a good enough game. Uh, if I was going to have to pick anyone... Can can I put Romeo Quara back up there? Sure. I mean, he had a, he, I that's the thing is like I'd have to go back and look the snaps again cuz he had a pretty solid start to this game. He had the sack, he had the quarterback hit, he had a tackle for loss. Uh he continues to look a solid cornerstone on the pass rush, which depending on what happens with Trey Flowers, you might need more out of that eventually. The only thing I could wish I could say is maybe he could have been doing a lot more, but we have to grade on the curve here in Detroit. Um, the other person I was going to maybe put up there, I'm sorry, I'm probably taking a bunch from, you know what, I'll just, I'll go with Aquara for mine because I don't want to take up anything Jeremy might do. Uh, doghouse. Where do I go with this one? How you doing, Tracy Walker? Not a good day for you. Really not a good day for you. Uh, you let up both touchdowns to Neheim Hines, allowing him to backflip not once, but twice in the end zone. Uh, you look kind of with, with the, everyone else. You looked a little lost out there during zone coverage. Um, not, not a fan. We need you to really. Uh, th- this is this is a, pre- a precautionary lesson. Let's just say that. It was it was a disaster of a day from the secondary, and I think Tracy Walker's bad plays were definitely highlighted by the fact that the guy literally flipped on him afterwards. Um, one of those plays, they they just sent him in motion, and Tracy just wasn't looking there. He wasn't. He was he was running with him this way, 
And then he turned around before the ball was snapped and, and started running the other way. Tracy didn't see him. He wasn't looking there. And then by the time he saw him, he was 15 yards ahead of him and it was just over. Yeah, both times just Hines had at least three, four steps on him. It's just it was kind of a little brutal. Uh, I'm also going to give an honorary doghouse a little bit, too. And I hate to do this. and I'm going to break my heart a little bit. But um, hey, let's talk about Don Muleback for a second. I don't. So here's the thing. I don't know what happened on the Prater field goal. I have to go back and watch it. But I so I don't know if there was a snap issue there. I know Praters has his own struggles this year so far, especially on the kick. But I do know Jack Fox had to handle two very low snaps. So not ideal for Don Muleback. I'm sorry, I have to take two in the doghouse here, but I don't think anyone else is going to come for uh, for Donnie. All right, I'll jump into mine. Um, my my penthouse, TJ Hawkinson. I thought he had a fine day. Seven catches on 10 targets, 65 yards. Went up for um, a few of those from Stafford, too, that I didn't think he was going to be able to <clears throat> hold down. Props to yeah, him. I think he may have had one catchable ball that he didn't catch, but overall... I thought he had a solid day. He was really the moving forward. When the, when the Lions offense was working, it seemed like he was their guy, especially on third downs. I think he had a couple of third and medium, third and long conversions in this game. You know, it wasn't a fantastic by, game by him by any measure. Unfortunately, he had his touchdown streak ended in this game. Um, I think he was three straight games with a touchdown. Um, but overall, I thought he was a steady force in an otherwise unsteady game from just about everyone else. The other guy, if, if we can throw another positive performance in there, Marvin Jones, uh, Mr. Rhodes, if you will, two touchdowns in this game. Nice to see him contributing again. Um, you know, now he's maybe in a little bit of a groove. I know he only had three catches overall, but, you know, getting in the end zone is something the Lions had struggled with in the past. Without Galladay out there, it was nice to see um, Marvin Jones be, be a nice red zone threat. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I think both those guys did pretty well. So and depending what happens with Kenny Galladay here for various reasons, uh, Lions could definitely use more of that for sure. Sure. Yeah. And then yeah, in chats are saying Marvin Hall played well, too. Yeah. For for kind of Hall a, in that hell of a throw. Like yeah, one super good throw Stafford had. Yeah. Um, but let's let's move over to the, the doghouse here. And we have to talk, I think, a little bit about the offensive line. We've barely talked about them at all. And it was a it was a disastrous day from them. I, I thought this Colts defensive line was good. I thought the lines made them look a lot, 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 lot better than they actually are. Um, Halapuli Vati Vaitai playing right tackle most of this game. Rough, not rough good. looking game from him. Not great, Bob. Uh, I mean, even even a guy like Jonah Jackson, the, the lines threw that screenplay early to to carry on Johnson. He makes a one handed grab. Sure, he slips on the play, but Jonah Jackson completely whiffs on it. That play could have gone for thirty. It went for six. Um, and it was I, the end of a drive too. Yeah, it was a drive killer. It was a third and ten. Yep, drive killer. Um, I thought the offensive line was just bad. I don't even think Taylor Decker is going to come out looking good on this one. To be completely honest, I think the Lions were just thoroughly beaten. And it brings up a larger question because this was yet another shuffling of the offensive line for unclear reasons. You know, Taylor yeah, Decker that. came into this in this game with with a shoulder injury. Right? Ends up playing. Okay. So what do they do? They put Halapuli Vati Vaitai at right tackle. They put Joe Dahl in the starting lineup again at right guard. Keep Jonah Jackson on the left side there. <sighs> Didn't look great. Didn't look great. And I get maybe some of the thinking behind it. Maybe if you have Tyrell Crosby and, and, and something happens um, with, with Decker, you know, he re-aggravates that shoulder. Maybe you want him there just in case. 
and and you'd rather him come off the bench than have to switch to the right side and then switch Vitae from guard to, to tackle. Like I get that, but here's where all of this shuffling, all of this moving parts around, all of this, you know, inconsistencies on the offensive line concern me. Let me read you a couple quotes from Frank Ragnow after the game. He says, we never really got in a role and there was some communication, just some things we got to get going. Later, he says, I could have done a better job communicating some things, some looks. Later, he says, I think we had a few plays, whether it was myself or someone else, doing the wrong thing. You have all these sort of inconsistencies on your offensive line, all sorts of moving parts, guys with different guys next to him from one game to the next. You're going to have communication issues. You're going to have guys doing the wrong thing. You got you to settle on a lineup at some, time, at some point, Lions. I could deal with the guard rotation because at least the other parts were staying where they were. Now everything's getting jumbled. The offensive line doesn't know what it's doing. And maybe that's Frank Ragnow saying, listen, I just got to do my part and communicate better. Maybe that's just him taking it on himself. But the results speak for themselves. Nothing seems to be working. And this, this was a, 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 a problem. This problem didn't exist three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we were saying how good this offensive line was, was playing. And, and granted, yes. This is a Colts defense, and we need to give them a lot of credit. They're one of the best run defenses in the league. But man, this was a a failure on so many parts that it's just like, it's hard to look at that offensive line and all the movement and be like, you guys got to just get it figured out at this point. You can't keep doing this every week. Am I wrong? No, not at all. I, I hate it. I hate it when you were doing it with guards and honestly... If you're doing it with the whole line, you, you ain't got a line. If you're rotating your linemen, you, you don't have an offensive line, period. And that, that whole I think, I, that whole thing, that expl- explanation you gave, Jeremy, that you maybe want to be precautious with Taylor Decker, guess what? Burn that bridge when you come to it. Don't, don't, don't be clever by half on this. Like Put the best line out there because this team is predicated on its line, both the run game and for giving Stafford the time for these routes. If you don't have that set up, nothing's rolling. No, not good. Not good. Especially not for a team Bob. that looked like they could move the ball on the ground. And then they were just absolutely dominated. Like, I think, I think it may have been Adrian Peterson's first run or maybe his second run, but he had that nice chunk play where he got like seven, I think like seven or eight yards. And he like just snuck through the hole. And then that was it. Like there, there, there just weren't holes anymore after that. It was just like Adrian Peterson was like Indiana Jones through the last one. <laughs> and then it just closed up. It, Agnew, yeah. Agnew, by the way. Yeah, per the, per the box where Agnew is your rushing leader on the day with 11 yards. Adrian Peterson, carry. five carries, seven yards, long of seven. DeAndre Swift, even worse, somehow had a long of five, but only one net yard on six carries. Uh, Let's take another break here. When we come back, we are going to talk about the trade deadline. I want to talk a little bit more about Kenny Galladay. We touched on him a little here, but just any other kind of things around the trade deadline. Once again, the Lions have acquired Everson Griffin this past week, and they gave up a conditional six rounder for him. There's still plenty more that can be done, but I think this game kind of has fans at odds on whether Lions should be buyers, sellers, or standing pat. It all depends on where you see this team going in the next couple of weeks, and unfortunately, you don't have many days to figure it out. So we'll take a break. We'll come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're going to knock that down, wrap up here, another 
Lions loss in the books for you as Lions go three and four, lose to the Colts, but still plenty of football to be played. We'll be right back. Wrapping up here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, and we got the trade deadline coming up here, guys. It's kind. Of, this is kind of the epilogue to a loss to the Colts for the for the Detroit Lions. You know, last week they went out, they got Everson Griffin for a conditional six round pick, didn't spend a lot of draft capital on him, got him in there. He will make a good. You know, the the hope is that he makes a good passing downs uh, edge rusher. To help out the offense, I mean defense, excuse me. But he wasn't going to be your main plan to be a starter. Although honestly, with the Trey Flowers, if Trey Flowers' injury pans out, might have to step up to that role. We'll see. But I, I guess the problem is, is that at three and four, and we did make sure to confirm now the Bears did lose here on Sunday evening, which means the Lions kind of keep pace to try to catch up with them. It's funny. It's just funny where the Lions sit right now because I don't know. They're not, in my mind, a clear-cut buyer or seller. You can make the case for either one right now. I think, however, if I put myself in Patricia and Quinn's shoes, they're probably more inclined to be buyers at the deadline, if only because of pressure to perform well this season. Now, I'm not saying they're going to give away the farm or anything stupid like that, but I just think they have they have the capacity to make another move. However, as Jeremy pointed out, he likes the histrionics here where the Lions went out and got Snacks Harrison in 2018, lost a game, and then traded away a, uh, a, a Golden Tate. I mean, the comparisons are kind of remarkable. Really. Eerie. Because yeah. we, we even talked about how, you know, one of those wins that the Lions rattled off in that two-game win streak resembled that Miami win that they got to move to three mm-hmm. and three in that 2018 season. So then we all get excited because they go out, get snacks. We all got excited. They got Everson Griffin, a big defensive piece. They go out, lose a game, and now you're left in this purgatory right now because this team doesn't look like a, a contender necessarily. But it doesn't, but the, 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 the different, I mean, the huge, the humongous difference is, well, in 2018, it was the Patricia era's first year. They weren't necessarily yes. in an urgent situation. They plan for the future a little bit. I don't know if they have that luxury anymore. I would be very, very surprised to see this team being a seller unless someone forced their hand, unless a player forced their hand, unless, I don't know, unless ownership forced their hand, which I, I don't see what happened. I, I don't see any way in which selling makes any sense because, yeah, I mean, may, maybe in a normal season, it would make sense. Maybe you're like, you know what? We got to sell off one of these pieces, start looking towards next year. It's not going to work. Why would Bob Quinn do that to himself right now? He wouldn't. Yeah. On the other hand, though, there are quite a few wide receivers on here. And I think the two pieces that people would say immediate trade bait is Kenny Galladay, where you didn't get an extension done with him. And honestly, if you ask me, I think he tries the open f- trademark, uh, free, mar- free agent market in the offseason. So 
the the warrant is there to try to trade him, but that's also your best wide receiver. And then, you know, questions about Marvin Jones. I think we've speculated on his trade value in the past too, with his contract and his kind of up and down play. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, I see them more as buyers. Uh, Ryan, where, where do you stand on all this? I think in the immediate right now, we talked about Kenny Galladay's injury. If, uh, if Kenny Galladay is injured, that definitely has an impact on not only his trade value, but uh, his trade availability because you have to then also keep Marvin Jones as a as your wide receiver number one. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna trade Marvin Jones, have injured Kenny Galladay, and then tell Matthew Stafford to go out there with Quintez Cephas, Marvin Hall, and make you know uh, you know make uh, make chicken salad with it. Like that's just not gonna that's just not gonna happen. So. I'm with Jeremy. Like I, I don't see the Lions being sellers at all whatsoever because of the situation that they're in. They're they're also just too close. Like even if the remove remove the uh, the context surrounding, you know, Quintricia. Like if you get rid of that and you have the Lions who are three and four and the teams ahead of them both lost today, like you're going to decide to be a seller by Tuesday. I don't I don't think so. I I I really don't. Like at three and four, like. There's too many weird things that can happen in a football season. There's too many weird things that can happen in this season. So I, I don't I don't see the way in, in which the Lions become sellers yeah, at I all. Mean, they're, they're only two games out of first place, which I, I, that sounds closer than probably it really is. Because, again, I don't, I don't think any of us expect this team to necessarily turn it around. But you get a big piece, something clicks. I mean, we saw the Lions make a drastic change already in their run defense this year. Maybe something else will eventually click. Um, whether it's on offense or defense or whatever, maybe the secondary conti- finally starts getting it together. Your two young corners, you, you hope they improve as their the rookie season and second season, respectively, move on. Um, but but let me just let me go back to Kenny Galli really really quick. To me, there there's really no sense in a Kenny Galli trade. Even again, even if you remove the Quintricia stuff as well. I mean, if if you're if you're not going to sign him. Let him hit free agency. Let someone sign him to a monster deal. And you just collect on that compensatory pick. I know that's not really Bob Quinn style and there are other factors that are work into a compensatory pick, but you're almost guaranteed to get a third round compensatory pick if he just hits free agency. And I don't know if you're going to get that for, I mean, you might be able to get that out of someone right now, but you also realize who, whoever's trading for him, you're probably not going to get a sign and trade right away. So you're, you're uh, the team that's trading for him is taking a big risk sending guy who's got nine games left on his contract. Also, it's a team that's going to be a, a contender or thinks that they're going to be a contender to trade for a guy like Kenny Galladay to push them over the top. And then what you get a second round pick. That's more like a early third rounder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then really quick. Also, Marvin Jones seems to be the name that a lot of people want to talk about. We talked about a little bit last week. He already is getting questions about him potentially being trade bait. And that one makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, unfortunately, as Ryan said, I think the Kenny Galladay injury complicates that because if, if suddenly yeah, Kenny Galladay is out and then you trade away Marvin Jones, well then who are you? Is it Marvin Hall and Quintus Cephas next week against the Vikings? I know that defense is bad, but that's, that's like going from uh, a B plus in your wide receivers to a D minus. Hey, no, hey. that it'll feel like it, it'll feel it, that will really feel like 2018 where all yeah. of a sudden you got rid of Golden Tate and like, who are you throwing the ball to? Yeah, and Marvin Jones got injured shortly thereafter that, I believe. And yeah, and then the Lions yep. offense was just gone. And and we're and we're talking about Matthew Stafford struggling right now. Let's take away two of his like top <laughs> three weapons. 
And let's see how you do now, big guy. Is there is there anyone yeah. else? I know I know we all said we don't think the lines are going to be sellers, but is there anyone else that you think can, could be on that list? Can I ask? Um, I don't think there's anyone on my list. I, I guess that my my follow up question. You know what, Ryan? Answer this first, and I've got the follow up question, just kind of to to roll this ball along too. Can they trade Vitae? <laughs> I can try. Uh, the, the only legitimate name I, w- I would maybe even float out or consider would be like Jared Davis. Like maybe there's some other team that could be interested in acquiring a guy who would fit a modern day NFL defense that requires athletic linebackers. I yeah. know Pittsburgh has been floated out as like a rumor because yeah. they had the Devin Bush injury and, right. and maybe that makes sense. But um He's really the only other guy that I could see like they could get like a little something for. Yeah. And they but they don't really need him week to week or like they can plug somebody else in or pull somebody up from the practice squad or something. Like the, Yeah, the the other name that's really been thrown out a lot and I think it's because of all the the strange things the Lions have been doing with the running backs, you know, they cut Bo Scarborough, they bring back Jonathan Williams, they they do all this crazy stuff is is on Johnson. And personally, I don't buy it at all. I think I think they love Carryon Johnson. If you've heard the way these, this coaching staff has talked about Carryon Johnson, um, they they love his pass protection. He scored a touchdown in this game. Um, I, I think they really love what they're getting out of Carryon Johnson. Is it is he living up to his draft status? Of course he's not. But at this point, they have a role for him. It's not costing him a lot of money, and I think they like where he's at. I think I think they like Carryon Johnson as that third running back in the rotation. Um, now, what what they want, what their plans are with. Maybe they try to bring both Scarborough back. Maybe Adrian Peterson is not their guy. I don't. I don't know what the deal is there, but I think DeAndre Swift and Carryon Johnson are pretty solidly on this roster. And then I, I, Jonathan. I don't know what their their plans are with Jonathan Williams. That that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Can I ask? So my follow up would be: What do you think is more likely? The Lions are buyers of the trade deadline now, or they stand pat after the Severson Griffin trade? I hope they're buyers. I, I, I hope they go out and they get somebody else. Like I would be super interested in the Lions to call Washington and see what it would take to get Ryan Kerrigan. Like just to add more pass rush. I mean, what what like what is that gonna hurt? I mean, what is that gonna require? Like a fifth round draft pick? Okay, cool. Trade the fifth round draft pick, get Ryan Kerrigan. I I just wanna see the Lions win. Like it gets so hard watching these games against middling teams like the Indianapolis Colts and to see the Lions just like lose in like pretty convincing fashion. Like I'm with Jeremy. Like I don't think they got dominated, but like there was at no point in this game where I was like, the Lions got this. Like, cause even, even right after the Lions first score, Indy goes down and scores. And then I'm like, okay, it's like a new ball game. And then all of a sudden it was just not a ball game at all. So it's not a ball game. I want the Lions to be buyers simply because I want them to try to win football games. I don't want them to. I mean, Jeremy, do you want them to go out and like say there's some hypothetical Quinn and Williams deal on the table? That's like a second round draft pick. Like, are, are you that much of a buyer? Ugh, I'm about to I'm about to spit a bit of a hot take right now. I wouldn't Ooh. mind going for Gilmore. What would you trade? I I don't know. I I I I need some sort of frame of reference here. I don't know if he's a first rounder or second rounder. This team needs corners, man. The, I I I 
after this game, I think corners the highest, the biggest need of this team. And and okay. I, I, know, I, I know, I know, I know, I know the Lions have young guys. Do it. I know the Lions have Do young it. guys that they they want to build Jeff Okuda. They want to build Amani Oruare. Getting in a, a veteran guy like that and spending a first or second round is essentially saying. You're, I mean, you're spending a ton of resources on putting one of those guys on the back burner. But this team needs a corner. This secondary is a mess right now. I'm sorry. It's really, really, really bad. And if these guys want to save their job, I think that's your best bet. And and am I am I fully advocate, advocating for a move like that? Probably not. In terms of long term, that's a horrible deal to make, if I'm being completely honest. But if this team wants to go out, and contend this year and still have a chance and a legitimate chance. I would give them a legitimate chance to make the playoffs if they go out and get Stefan Gilmore. Whoa, hold on. I, that's an even bigger wow. hot take than what he that's, said before. That's spicy. We're, we're getting really spicy now. Oh my goodness. It's really twisty. I will say this, that all this talk, this is so much more exciting and interesting than I've had to hear it a lot this week about, you know, especially after the after the Lions beat the Falcons, but then the Falcons go and win against the, the, the Panthers that they're screwing up and they should tank because of Trevor Lawrence and all this other crap. Like, as you guys said, like, I want to see my, I want to see the Lions win ball games because it's just more fun. Stop trying to, I know he who should, shall not be named on the station that shall not be named was poo pooing the Lions win last week. And listen, man, I, I you're allowed to have your, whatever your opinions you want. I try not to be someone who, like, fusses about the opinion of someone else who's in the media but come on <laughs> come on like I, I i'm sorry the process is dead the process is dead sam hinky was banished for a reason let's let's stop doing this let's stop doing this maximalist stuff you sh- especially in the nfl you gotta try man you gotta try every time you can this whole idea that you're just stockpiling draft capital and that it just magically works out uh it hasn't worked out for the lions Hasn't worked out for a lot of other teams that have tried the, you know, suck around. Did it work for the Browns in the 2000s? Hey, you know, but you're you're not going to suck hard enough to get anything good out of the, like, super top tier out of this draft right now because the Jets are way in front of you. Like, go ahead, man. Do it. Have some fun. Try to win some ball games. Try to be a little competitive. What's the worst that can happen? This, This whole idea that you're hurting yourself by going to the middle of the draft order Come on, this is the NFL. There's plenty of other pieces you can get in the draft, in in a, in a mid round, in a mid first draft order. There, you like, and this this Lions team needs a lot of pieces for the future too. So, go ahead, man. People, let's let's just in in the words of Job Rule, let's just do it and be legends, man. People in the chat asking about Gilmore's deal. He signed through 2021, so the Lions would technically have him for a season and a half. Although Gilmore, I believe, is is making I, I, there, there's reports out there that he's unhappy that a deal hasn't been made an extension hasn't been made so um the lines would, would obviously have to potentially deal with a, a, a potential holdout in 2021 but again those are issues down the line the lions might have to deal with that quintricia might not have to deal with that so like so are you on board it sounds like you might be on board no i'm 100 percent on board let's oh, do okay. this like okay. no no i mean like chris what would chris you give up um, uh, man, would you, give you would have, I would have to get draft capital in return. Like, even if it's like a fifth round pick or something like that, like I need like Stefan Gilmore in a fifth for a first for a first. Yeah. Yeah. But like Chris said last week and then he, I saw him tweet it 
finally with a gif but like let's just get nuts you want to get nuts get nuts, like, let's get nuts. you want to get nuts <laughs> let's get nuts would you give up a first let's get nuts me either of you guys no i would not Come on, let's be legend. Uh, anything, uh, gave anything. Us a whole speech about being legends, and you're not gonna trade away a I'll be, I'll be legends, but not stupid <laughs> legends. <laughs> like there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a line between job rules saying let's just do it and be legends and cheese sandwich on a dessert. Yeah, he was a stupid legend. You just quoted him like he, like he was your I prophet. Know. But I think if you had told Jod Rule, hey, this is gonna end in cheese sandwiches, <laughs> he might have, he might have hedged it a little bit. But I'm just saying. The spirit is welcome. I'm just saying there's other things you can sell besides first. I'm just, uh, but can you imagine a scenario like of a general manager going out in a worse way than than Bob Quinn swinging for the fences on Stefan Gilmore and then they end up going six and ten? Yeah, that's that's the other thing, too, like because I do not I kind of don't think these guys last in the end, too. So I am hedging myself a little bit here. I'm trying to have the best of both worlds, which is what the Pride of Detroit podcast is about. The best of both worlds. Detroit Lions football without the guilt and the pain and the anguish. So no, well, plenty of the, plenty of all that, but <laughs> we try to make it. We we give it a nice helping of of agave nectar or Hershey's chocolate syrup, something to make it a little sweeter. Second round pick, you don't hang up the phone, right, Jeremy? Like no. I'm Bill Belichick. No, no. Nope, nope. I'm not throwing. I'm not picking. I'm not dropping that phone at all. <laughs> It's we'll we'll, hello. we'll, we'll pick is, him up from DTW. I don't care if yes. I'm in line. Hello, this vote, is dog. You know, trade deadlines Tuesday. I don't care if I'm mid voting for who I'm voting for. I'm I'm throwing away my ballot. I'm I'm like, wait, wow. did you just say Gilmore for a second? Wait, hold on. That is not that is not political that is not sound political advice. Please go and vote. <laughs> but but I mean, also go get Stefan Gilmore. But also get Stefan yeah. Gilmore, yes. <laughs> People, I mean, people, All right, we got really it. quick. I mean, people are saying corner is not this team's biggest weakness. And oh, uh, it for sure is. I, I think it, it is. Sure is. I disagree. I, I, yeah. Linebacker, I'm with you, is, is an issue. A hundred percent. I'll be, you know, I, if, if Jamie Collins goes down, this, this team has zero viable linebackers. I'm with you. Reggie Ragland's been playing okay. But I mean, do you need me to pull up PFF right now and tell you that three of the bottom four Guys on the team, rated guys, are corners. Jeff Okuda, Desmond Trufant, and... We just put Tracy Walker in the doghouse, too. Well, he's not a corner. He's a safety, but yeah. No, I know, but secondary. And Imani, I mean, everyone's praise, going crazy over Imani Ora. He's playing so great for his second year. He's doing great. Grades of 59.1. Give me a break. I don't buy it. I, I and, and this isn't just me relying on PFF. I'm not seeing it. Get me a corner. Yeah. All right. We got it. We got to stop. We don't want to go too long on this. So for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, we're going to shut it down here. We'll see you guys probably around the trade a little after the trade deadline. Maybe we might recap that if anything exciting happens. If not, we might just do a quick Twitch. So once again, make sure you're following twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit and we'll have the preview. We'll have main coverage. We'll have all sorts of fun stuff during the week. Uh, I got good news in that I think I'm off the pitch limit for the podcast the rest of the year, so I am allowed to keep doing whatever I want. So we might have a mailbag episode now uh, certain weeks. Take your questions. But for myself, for Jeremy, for Ryan, we got to get out of here. See you, Starside.
to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.